Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome to episode number five of Channel Journeys, and thank you for listening. This week, I have a special guest who is very well known in the channel. He's had an amazing channel journey that actually started on the other side of the channel in London, England. He now runs the world's largest community of channel pros called Channel Focus. He also runs Channel Focus Club 50 for channel chiefs and the cloud services community for cloud providers. Of course, I'm talking about Rod Bapti, and I had a lot of fun chatting with Rod, learning more about his three channel communities, and I learned some fun personal facts about Rod that I bet you don't know. For me, the really interesting meat of the conversation, though, is where we talk about channel transformation. And you'll hear us discuss this transformation, and it's driven as much by the customers as it is by technology. Rod has some great advice for channel chiefs and channel managers as well. So let's get started. Rod Bapti, welcome to Channel Journeys, and it's great to have you on our podcast today. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure, Rod. You know, I have a chance to speak with you very briefly when I run into you at your Channel Focus event, and I've always wanted to be able to sit down and have a longer conversation. So this is something that I've been looking forward to. Very much appreciate it. So, you know, you are very well known in the channel. You have been very, very active and a strong proponent of the channel and a connector and educator. I don't know if there any if there's anyone out there who doesn't know about you, but for people who don't, if there are maybe a few people in the channel who haven't heard about you or don't know fully what you do, can you describe what what it is that you do do? There's Bapti and Company, there's Channel Focus, there seem to be a lot of different aspects to what you do every day. Uh, primarily in the channel, there's two elements of the business. The first is the channel focus side of the house, and this is the world's most important, largest, whatever, whatever words you want to put there, uh, community of people running channel programs in all of the major vendors in the IT and telecom industry. And so we have a robust um, platform which um, delivers um, a huge body of best practice and how-to content. We have the Channel Focus Conference, and um, that happens in May of every year, and that brings together about 250 um, channel leaders talking about um, what's happening in the channel, very, very focused around best practice and how-to. And then in addition to that, we have the Channel Focus Club 50, and these are 50 of the most powerful channel leaders in the world um, who come together um, in a variety of formats during the course of the year to talk about the channels, um, the future of the channels, try and reach industry consensus um, on certain issues. And then in addition to that, uh, on the other side of the house, we've got the cloud services community, and that's a community of... Um, around 5,500 CEOs of partner companies who are actively selling cloud today. And we have meetings um, and uh, an online facility, but it makes puts us in a very privileged position where we're hearing not just the vendor view, um, but also very much um, 
the view of the partners themselves. And on the channel focus side, there you have over 7,000 members? That's correct. Is that international or is it primarily North America or even primarily U.S.? Um, it, it's international. Um, it's very strong as far as the Americas concerned, very strong in Europe um, and growing rapidly um, in the Far East. Yeah, I would expect so. Uh, I know in my most recent work with SaaS in Asia Pacific, that was a, the highest growth area for channels for us. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's huge. Um, it's also very a very, very challenging region. Um, it's not like you can go to Europe and go, okay, UK, France, and Germany. Yes, there are differences, but primarily it's the same. Um, try comparing, um, you know, go-to-market in China with go-to-market in Japan, and they are two completely, completely different animals. They are. It's so diverse, Rod. I think that's one of the very big challenges. Well, maybe that's the reason to have a channel focus Asia, perhaps a, a meeting in Singapore. Absolutely. Sign me up. <laughs> it's certainly something we're very carefully looking at. You know, you know Rich Blakeman, right? Indeed. Yeah, he and I were chatting. He was my second podcast uh, guest, and we got talking about Singapore. Uh, I've only been there once. Um, lovely place. We did run um, uh, actually quite a successful event in Beijing, uh, China, um, and that was um, very focused, obviously, on the Chinese market, and that's something we, we may well look at um, in the future. But it's definitely, you know, if you look at the growth areas, um, you know, that's where it is. It sure is. Yeah, I think that's an area where a lot of people are trying to get it figured out and would really benefit from a, a best practices conference. Absolutely. And then the cloud services community, is that uh, the most rapidly growing community on that side? I mean, candidly, if you talk about our focus on the, on the channel focus side is the top 1,000 companies um, mm -hmm. in the IT and telecom industry. There's a finite number of people, um, you know, running channel programs in those organizations. So, um, you know, is that area of the business growing? Absolutely it is, but um, we're looking at a finite number. If you look at people, uh, companies actively selling cloud and, and on the cloud services side, we are only North American based. Um, we've got five and a half thousand members. My guess is today there in North America alone, um, there are upwards of 30,000 um, organizations selling um, cloud products and services today. So yes, there's a, we've got a huge, uh, we've got a significant number um, and they are, um, you don't join the cloud services community unless at least 50% um, of your business is cloud-based. So these are not cloud wannabes. These are the guys actually doing it. And, and we have a very interesting mix of companies in there. You know, we have marketing agencies that are actively selling um, marketing solutions. Um, we have CPAs actively selling financial solutions. So it's not just um, the traditional partner base um, or even the born in the cloud partners. Um, it's what... Uh, uh, you know, Jay McBain would refer to as the shadow channels are also very significantly present um, in that community. And uh, it, it, it's very, very interesting to see how these guys are, are moving and developing um, huge trend towards um, specialization. 
um, as one of them said to me um, at a meeting in Seattle recently, um, he turned around to me and he said, hey, Rod, um, there is no money moving customers to the cloud anymore. Are there still lots and lots of customers that need to move to the cloud? There are, but it's becoming a commoditized business. Um, the only way we're going to make serious money is becoming specialized. And I think he's absolutely right. And uh, companies are becoming specialized in um, you know, either uh, the vertical arena or specialized by technology. You know, They are the security specialists or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, and, you know, because it's in the cloud, you're seeing the rise and rise of the marketing agency. The If I had a financial product to take to market, a SaaS product, uh, and I ignored the CPAs, uh, I'd, I'd be signing my own death warrant. Um, they are incredibly powerful in that marketplace. If I had a marketing product, I want to take it through the marketing agencies. If I have an HR product, I want to take it through HR consultancies. So these guys are also incredibly important in that market and, and increasingly you're beginning to see um, born in the cloud partners and CPAs, born in the cloud partners and marketing agencies, etc., um, beginning to come together so they can provide both um, technical and business expertise and ultimately that, that's what's going to win at the end of the day. Yeah, this new breed of partners that you and Jay both talked about at the last conference, you know, it's, it's getting very interesting. And it's, I don't know, I think it's bringing a lot of fun for channel chiefs to think about how do we go after these, these new types of partners? It's really forcing us to think in a different way. And then when you talk about specialization, I don't remember if it was you or Jay who said, you know, today, if you're focused on healthcare, for example, that's that's like a generalist today. You've got to take it down two or three more levels of oh, specialization. Absolutely. And, 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 and also, if you look at the technology that's available today, um, you know, if you go back in time, um, you needed a gazillion developers to, de- to develop a product. Now you've got the platforms out there. And as, as someone said to me, um, a Salesforce partner, they said, hey, I can take someone on board from university. And within three months, um, they're developing apps, um, not the most sophisticated apps, but they're developing apps that I can um, sell to my customers, and they can become very, very productive, very profitable, very quickly. So you're beginning to see the rise and rise of the micro vertical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I met with a company in Napa that, that their business is IoT, and, and basically um, they're a combination of um, a guy that used to be um, COO of a winery and a technical guy, essentially getting together um, and bringing a really, really interesting. Um, IoT product um, to market, um, basically a combination of all sorts of things to help the wine growers in Napa um, become more successful, and that's their business. So they're not mm-hmm. in agriculture, you know, they are in the wine growing business. Um, in the same way, in the healthcare side, um, you know, you used to have the healthcare guys. Now you've got. Um, we met a company very, very, very successful. Um, the only people they deal with are optometrists. Um, so, no, they're not really in the healthcare business. They're in, they're in the optometry business, you know, a very small sub-segment of that. Uh, and so you're seeing the rise and rise of these micro-verticals because it's so easy to and cheap to develop the applications. You can go down to a, a, a very detailed level, um, and then you need to build the business expertise so that you can talk um, the business with 
um, the optometrists with the owners of the optometry companies, etc., etc., etc. It's it's a it's a totally different way of looking at things and and providing um, a combination of um, technical enablement and and really really deep business skills. And the people that are doing that are the guys that are going to win out at the end of the day because they're going to be the people providing the expertise that the customer wants. Yeah, it's really a fascinating time. There's so much opportunity. Well, Rod, I, I'd like to jump tracks a little bit here. I, I always like to have a little bit of fun on the show and get to know our guests. So to find out a little about, bit about you, Rod, um, got a couple questions for you first. What is your favorite sport? Rugby. I had a feeling it was rugby. And I saw somewhere I read on your uh, profile um, that it's the Glasgow Warriors is your favorite team. I have uh, season tickets for, for Glasgow Warriors and also for the Scotland team. So I, get, I, get, I go as often as I possibly can. Now, why your allegiance to Glasgow? Um, I live actually north of Edinburgh. Um, so without getting terribly boring and deep about it, um, Edinburgh uh, rugby is an up-and-coming sport. In Scotland, if you go to one of the national games, you'll have you'll regularly have. If Scotland are playing the the, the big stadium, seventy thousand people sold out every game. It's huge. Um, at the club level, um, you're seeing audiences across Europe of between five and five thousand and thirty thousand people typically watching a club game. Um, when you put Edinburgh in the main stadium, which they're in at the moment, you've got about five or 6,000 people in a stadium that seats 68,000. There's no atmosphere. Glasgow mm-hmm. have a much smaller stadium. And so, and also I had some friends um, that were linked to some of the players. So it made sense rather than being Edinburgh based to, to actually go and see Glasgow. And there's a far, okay. much, far longer answer than you ever wanted on that one. <laughs> no, that's fun. And were you raised there in Scotland? Um, I was actually raised in London. My parents are Scottish. Um, ah, okay. And when did you come to the States? You, you live full-time or part-time in Scotland, part-time in Colorado? That's correct. Okay. We, we moved, we moved, um, we were originally in California and in 1998, we moved the U.S. offices to Colorado. We've been there ever since. Um, got a great team of people. Um, it's a great place to be, and there's a lot of very talented folk around here, so it's 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 very cool. It is very cool, and a ton of things to do. What what sort of things do you like to do when you're not working? Um, I'm. Uh, the, they actually have, and this is um, with, with an interesting thing. Shortly after we moved to Colorado, they opened the only purpose-built rugby ground in the United States in Colorado. Um, hmm actually about 15 minutes from where I live. Um, I also am a very, very keen um, motorcyclist. Um, I, you know, enjoy that. Um, I have three dogs here at the moment, so walking them is, uh, uh, when you've got three Springer Spaniels, means you're um, walking about five or six miles a day um, just to keep them relatively active, never mind fully active. So um, a, a lot of stuff to do. What type of motorcycle do you have? I have a variety of them. I have a couple of um, Yamaha two-strokes. Please no one comment about um, the uh, 
pollution aspect of those things, but yes, it's pretty horrible. My carbon footprint is not great. Um, I have a, um, a Triumph sports bike um, and um, an off-road bike, so uh, a number of motorcycles. Uh, if you want a, a funny comment, I'm halfway through a helicopter pilot's license. Um, I have four motorcycles, and I've never learned to drive a car. <laughs> You're kidding me. Nope. Two licenses completely separate in the UK. It is actually, uh, it will be, without an instructor, it will be illegal for me to get behind the wheel of a car um, in the UK and drive. Interesting. So you're going to learn to fly a helicopter before you get a driver's license for a vehicle. Uh, that's the hope. That's interesting. So, Rod, my dad was a helicopter pilot. Oh, cool. Yeah, he he loved to fly. He learned to fly in the Navy. Uh and the war ended just before he had to go, you know, and fight. But then he joined the reserves, the Naval Reserves, got a job at Boeing and decided he didn't like drawing airplanes and helicopters. He wanted to fly them. So he started a little helicopter business and, and that's how he made his living. That's fascinating. I mean, my, my, whole, my family going back are um, military, uh, Navy principally. I, I read that you started your career as a chef. Is that right? Many, many, many moons ago. I wonder where you read that. That shouldn't be, shouldn't, should, should be very nicely hidden somewhere. <laughs> Not hidden well enough. So um, was that your dream growing up that, hey, I want to be a chef? No, what it, happened linked, to that it dream? linked to the whole naval experience. I had absolutely no uh, idea what I was going to do. Um, I happened to be working as a waiter in a restaurant um, when um, – uh, the the chef was incapable of chefing. Um, nothing to do with the vast amounts of alcohol he'd been drinking prior to that, um, of course. And um, right. so uh, the guy who owned the restaurant, it was actually a very nice restaurant, um, the guy who owned the restaurant said, could anyone cook? Um, and I was 17 and uh, basically said, yeah, I can. And he then said, um, would you like to do this full time? And... Much to my parents' great disgust, um, I said yes. Left school and, and uh, very, very different in those days from, from today. You could not have done it in the same way today. And then how did you transition from that into business? And it looked like in the 80s you were launching tech companies left and right. Um, I went from there, did a, did a few other um, nefarious things on the way and uh, ended up... Um, with um, working for a guy who'd been uh, the top salesperson for Xerox um, in Europe, um, who had his own company in the photocopying business, and uh, along the way bumped into these two very, very talented um, creative guys. And so we got uh, sat down in a pub one evening and uh, decided they decided they were very unhappy where they were. Um, I said, why don't we start an advertising agency? So um, we opened the door and absolutely zero business walked in and then had to, had to build it from there. So it was uh, quite, quite, quite a journey. You've been an entrepreneur ever since then, right? I, yeah, absolutely. I, I run my own business since I was in my very, very early 20s. What was the the how did the idea for Baptian Company germinate, and what what was that originally? We was that the advertising agency? Yeah, it it came out of the advertising agency. Um, when I left there, um, 
basically um, I was looking around for something to do, set up a consultancy business. And as part of the consultancy business, we ran an event called Europe Direct, which is all about um, direct marketing and direct sales um, in the technology industry. And uh, we quickly realized that we had um, a real opportunity there. There was nothing there. We then set up the channel events um, in Europe in 96, brought them to, to the US, uh, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's, been, it's been a very, very interesting uh, journey. I missed the transition there. How did that go from direct marketing then into a channel event and the idea of servicing the channel? Well, and, and with the um, advertising agency, we, we had a number of sectors we were involved and tech was the biggest sector. So, for example, we, we um, were the marketing agency that was responsible for the marketing launch of um, SoftSell in Europe. SoftSell in those days was the biggest software distributor in mm. the in the world. Um, and so we've been heavily involved in the channels for many years. So we were involved in, in um, channel marketing. We were SoftSell's agency for a number of years. Um, uh, worked with a, a very, very smart guy there called Bruce Cummings, who invented many of the programs that are used um, to this day by distributors to, how shall I put it politely, extract money from vendors um, for marketing purposes. Um, so it was uh, it was a very interesting journey, and that that when we um, set up the event business, it, it became very clear that there was a huge opportunity channel wise. And when did you start Channel Focus? 22 years ago. 22 years? Oh, that, I should know that. You're going to have the 22nd event. Yep. And in fact, in Europe, 24 years ago. So 24. 24, 24 years in Europe, 22 in the United States. And it, is the event in Europe still taking place then? Um, no. The European market... Um, as you probably read, is currently in absolute turmoil, and the UK market is in probably the worst turmoil, um, mm. largely due to Brexit. Um, nobody knows whether we'll have a, a, the same Prime Minister tomorrow as we had today, almost on a daily basis. It's, it's really quite bizarre. Yeah, yeah. So that, that put the kibosh on the, on the European channel focus. Yeah, I think sadly most people are seeing Europe as... Um, from a technology point of view, as yes, it's still a huge market, but it's it's in maintenance mode at the moment. It's it's not um, a market that's um, growing very rapidly for unless you're a brand new vendor into that market. It's not a market that's growing very rapidly, so most people have it in in sadly in maintenance mode. Hopefully, over time that will change, um, but uh, I can't see it changing in any time soon. Yeah, another reason why eyes are turning towards Asia-Pacific uh, for Absolutely. that growth opportunity. I'm curious, uh, we'll talk about the event, but um, how do people leverage this community, the channel focus community, the cloud services community? How do the members leverage that community between events? Is there networking that goes on? What would be your advice to people who are members of this who or who want to get more engaged in it? The, the biggest single thing is... Um, People going continuously, um, you know, uh, going in and um, downloading white papers, ebooks, um, podcasts, um, recorded webinars, etc. 
um, that are very focused on best practice and how to. So if, if, if for example, you're in the, uh, you know, you're running a channel program and you're looking for information on X, um, I would almost guarantee we have some very cool information actually in the community um, to help you do that. Um, on the, uh, the other, on the partner side of the house, um, the cloud services side, uh, again, we have a huge body of information helping partners um, understand how to do a better job of building um, a cloud practice. And also on that side of the house, we have significant numbers of people um, getting together. Um, you know, if you look at the traditional partners, one of the, the features was that, um, you know, they wanted to own the client hook, line and sinker um, and therefore were anti any other partner in that client. If you look at the cloud, one of the big trends in the cloud is you realize you can't do do everything and the client wants it tomorrow. And so the only way you're actually going to achieve much of that is to partner with other people. So we see a lot of partnerships emerging um, as a result of the cloud services meeting. You know, I'm, I'm a partner. I'm really good at security. You're a partner. Um, you know, your main clients are all the hospitals. So I can help you with um, the security side of things, you understand all about HIPAA. Um, let's get together um, and provide a really, really robust solution for those hospital customers that you've got. Yeah, there seems to be a resurgence in the partner to partner partnering, a much higher focus on that by vendors today. It, it's huge. Um, and, you know, if I was a partner, I'd be partnering um, because. Your customer is going to want more than, unless you're huge, your customer is going to want more than you can provide. And uh, you have a choice. You can either bring in someone, um, in which case you're protecting yourself in that customer, or you run the risk of the customer uh, bringing someone else in who could also do what you do. So it, it both makes sense in terms of providing a more robust solution for the customer, but also makes enormous sense in terms of protecting your business. It does. It does. So let's talk about Channel Focus 2019 that's coming up in May uh, in Carlsbad, California. Is that the first time you've had it in Carlsbad? It is indeed. In fact, the resort just opened in uh, May of this year. Very nice. Well, that will be a a nice place to visit. And what's this event going to be about? Last year, there was a lot of focus on digital transformation and the impact that's having on the channel. Any any highlights or sneak peek you can give us of what to expect in, in May? I think we'll be talking a lot about the specialization that's happening in the channel. I think we'll be talking about some some really interesting initiatives that vendors are taking on both the hardware um, and the software side. Um, and I think those, those will uh, come out in the presentations. Um, we've got some people who've done an awesome job of uh, transformation as far as their channels are concerned, talking um, about... Um, that we've also got people discussing the implications of building a global um, partner program. So we have um, uh, a lot of topics covered at the conference. I mean, everything's in three tracks, so there's always something um, that's really pertinent for every member um, of the audience. Um, and then, of course, the the other thing is we have the workshops, and um, it's a fairly unique feature of the conference. So if you've got questions, you've got things that you're working on back at the ranch. Um, you can bring those questions um, to the workshops and you'll get really, really cool answers. 
Um, so you can go back to the office and be a superhero with answers to the things that uh, your organization um, has top of mind at this moment in time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I think one of the interesting things about your conferences, as you go there and you're networking, you're talking to folks, you're hearing the presentations, and we're all facing the same challenges. You know, it doesn't matter what level of experience we have, we're all trying to solve the same things. Absolutely. Um, you know, the market's moving very, very fast indeed. Um, it's customer driven, um, and it's completely changing the nature of the partner community. Um, and it's changing who's involved in that community. There are partners going bust left, right, and center. There are numerous lifestyle partners who are, you know, just gently and very successfully running their business down. Um, spoke to a guy the other day. He just turned around to me. He said, Rod, I'm 62. He said, I've been through numerous technology transformations over the years. He said, this is a technology and business transformation. He said, I employed 120 people three years ago. Um, I employ 47 people today. He said, I am still profitable. Um, yes, am I gonna lose clients as they move to the cloud? My son doesn't wanna take over the business. My daughter is not in the least bit interested. So, so long as I can spend the next four or five years topping up my pension pot, I will be very happy. And I think there are far more people out there um, in that position than people realize. So I think you've got new blood coming into the channel. Um, you've got old blood exiting the channel, but um, not not necessarily going bust, just, just doing it in a very calm, controlled fashion. Yeah, and then we've got that new blood coming in, as you said, these hyper-specialists that are jumping in with new, new solutions, new technologies. So very dynamic times. Absolutely. Who, kn who knows where it'll be, you know, come the future. And you've got new channels emerging. You know, if, if, if you're in IoT and you're in IoT and security, um, if you're not getting very closely linked to, you know, the traditional physical security companies, you've missed a trick. Um, it, 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 the channel is just – and the channel is emerging and changing to answer the customer needs. Um, and it's a very, very different channel. And depending on which area you're involved in, um, it can be totally unlike any, any channel that we've perceived as being part of the technology industry previously. It really is. I'm curious for your own business that you're running day to day. What motivates you? What inspires you to, to provide the service that you do as you look forward with Baptie and Company and, and where you want to take it? It, it? We're in a very, very privileged position. Um, you know, I've had people say, you, you guys seem to know an awful lot about the channel and what's happening, and you seem to have some, some really interesting insights. My answer to that is, I am in the privileged position of talking to numerous incredibly smart people um, in the vendor community, numerous incredibly smart people in the partner community. I'm getting input from all of those people. Um, so if I didn't appear to be smart about the channel, I should be shot, frankly. Um, <laughs> and it, everything is moving in a really, really dynamic way. Um, and that, for me, is, is very exciting. Um, it's exciting to think about where we are, where we've come from, um, where we're going to be headed. Um, it's exciting to think about um, what... Um, you know, we're doing today versus what we were doing um, a couple of years ago and what we're going to be doing in a couple of years' time. And also, very importantly, um, how the business model 
is evolving. Um, you know, we are moving um, dramatically towards MRR. Um, we are moving towards um, vendor billing cust- uh, partner commissions. Um, now, neither of those are going to be 100% of the market. Who knows what percentage they're going to be over time. But the, the, the business models are, um, are changing dramatically. The customer is demanding that, you know, their channel partners can talk to them about their business. You know, they no longer have to worry about the guy coming in and um, putting in this application and figuring out how it works on 15 servers in, in the back office. Those servers no longer exist. Um, so there, there's a real challenge um, to provide what I think is a much, much more important service um, for customers of the technology industry, and that's the service of genuinely helping them build a more successful, more profitable, more productive business. And, and that, for me, is what the technology industry should be all about. And and the cloud is absolutely driving it in that direction. I think that's a really powerful thing. It is. It's interesting. There is a much greater demand on the partners to understand their customers' business and not just provide technology, but provide business outcomes. And I think, too, on the channel account manager side, there's even greater demand on them to understand their partner's business. And there are so many different partner business models today. Absolutely. It's really, really dynamic. So you have had a fantastic channel journey. You're providing a great service to the channel. What advice do you have for people who are, you know, at earlier stages in their channel careers, kind of just coming into the business? Really understand the partner's business model and the challenges that they're facing as a company. If you're going to be a really, really successful channel manager, channel account manager, um, you need to be a genuine support for those channel partners. So on top of being able to understand what it is that the company you're working for um, is doing and the kind of technology they're bringing to market, you really, really have to understand um, the business proposition of your channel partners, the business challenges of those channel partners, because if you can understand that, you are the person that is going to be able to walk into the CEO of the channel partner's office and have a meaningful conversation, which is valuable for you both. I think that's a big challenge for a lot of the channel account managers. They don't feel comfortable having that conversation. They don't have the confidence and they need a way to gain that education or be coached on how to have those conversations. I, I think there's a huge challenge out there. I think there's a, um, the, the industry has to do a much better job of going beyond technical training um, and actually genuinely um, enabling their channel account managers so that they can um, appropriately um, approach and discuss um, business issues with the channel partners and also, frankly, with the channel partners and their, and their end customers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rod, what haven't I asked you? I always like to ask that towards the end of an interview. And is there something that I didn't ask you about that you would like to talk about? No, I think we've uh, covered pr- pretty much um, everything. I think the uh, as we look forward, um, the key things that we're going to see moving forward is more and more specialization, certainly amongst the more profitable channel partners. Um, I think we're going to see a very different um, 
you know, route to market, um, providing a very different kind of service. And uh, a big chunk of that service in many, many instances is, is going to be business related. You know, someone that can walk in and really can understand um, what it is their customers are looking for. You know, whether they're walking into an architecture practice and being able to talk to um, the person in charge of the, the, the practice about how the practice works, how they make money, what they do, what their needs are technically. Um, if they walk into a hospital to be able to talk to um, the chief doctor, the chief nurse, the hospital administration staff about their needs um, and about what they're looking for. And it's people who build that skill and expertise um, that in my opinion are going to be the people that win out and become most profitable because you're providing genuine value for your customers. Absolutely. So for our listeners who want to go to your conference, they want to join one of your communities, where should they go? How do they find out more about you? Uh, go to www.channelfocuscommunity.net and you'll find everything you're looking for. Excellent. And if they want to meet you, they can come to Carlsbad in May. Absolutely. Or if they want to talk to me, pick up the phone, send me an email. Um, I get numerous phone calls and numerous emails um, every day. And I try and respond to everyone. Excellent, Rod. Well, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Uh, I look forward to getting this out there to our audience. And I, I wish you a, a fantastic holiday there. Are you staying in Colorado for the holidays or no, going I'm back going, to I'm Scotland? Back to Scotland. I, I have the joy okay. of, if, if you want to get into another business, get into the pet transport business. Um, I am transporting three dogs um, from, uh, they're not coming back, they're going back to Scotland, um, to Scotland, and um, the cost is going to be the princely sum of $2,300 per dog to stick them in the hole. Per hold. dog? Per dog, to stick them in the hold of an oh. airplane, one way. So anyone, any, anyone who's fed up with the technology industry, get into pet transport. You will make a fortune. <laughs> the pet channel. There we go. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Rod. Well, on that note, thank you again, and I uh, look forward to seeing you in Carlsbad. Look forward to seeing you there. Hey, guys. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Rod Bapti. I really love doing these podcast interviews. We get into some insightful channel conversations, and it's really fun hearing the interesting personal stories that everyone has, especially the adventurous ones like Rod flying a helicopter when he doesn't even have his driver's license. I look forward to seeing Rod, and I hope to see you too at Channel Focus this May in Carlsbad, California. And please join me on Channel Journeys next week for an interview with Harry Brelsford of SMB Nation. Until then, make yours a great channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.